We have more intel on the draft from Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN. Yes, about Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson. Plus, Sam Purley from Hornets.com joins us all today on Locked on Hornets. We're Locked on Hornets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We It's Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available anywhere you get your podcasts. That does include YouTube, where you can always see Doug Branson, and you can follow his work on his Substack, everyhornetsboxscore.com. You can listen to me locally here in Charlotte on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ from 12 to 3 p.m. every weekday. It's June, Doug officially draft month we are just a little over three weeks away so 22 days we will see who the charlotte hornets will take number two and it feels like people want to come to charlotte doug it feels like the prospects want to play here in the qc want to play alongside Lamelo, wants to play for mitch kupchak michael jordan steve clifford all all that good stuff Uh, no no that's what i'm that's what i'm gaining from all of this information um Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN had his latest mock draft and some reporting in there. And he said both Brandon Miller and Scoot Henderson are very interested and hope that they can do enough to be the second overall pick. Let's start with Brandon just real quickly and then get your thoughts, Doug. Gavoni says Miller's camp says it's hoping he can do enough on his June 10th visit in Charlotte to convince the Hornets to give him assurances. They'll pick him at that number two spot, something that might hinge more on how he performs in his interview than his workout. Gavoni also says Miller's fit with Charlotte roster, Charlotte's roster looks ideal, and he's considered the front runner here if, if he can do enough to alleviate off-court concerns. Doug, it feels like what Gavoni is getting at, it's the off-court concerns that are doing the most damage to Brandon and his possibility of ending up here in Charlotte. What do you make of some of the things Gavoni is saying about the Alabama product? Well, this tracks, it's it's off-court uncertainty. And when you're drafting someone second overall, which is going to be a big investment, I mean, long-term, certainly, if the pick pans out. But, I mean, you know, even in the short term, uh, the contract is not insignificant when you're talking about a second overall pick. The rookie salary scale for last season had the first year contract at 8.2 million. So that's that's not peanuts, especially the Hornets because they they're already they were already doing a little cap magic to figure out how everything was going to fit in the past couple of seasons because they've got a lot of money tied up in Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. So you know th- that's going to further. It's it's a big investment is all I'm saying. And so you don't love uncertainty in this situation. And he didn't exactly come into that combine with a lot of like firm answers. So the the uncertainty continues. And I think that's where the the interview, this interview has to be better than, you know, I, I plead the fifth, here's my lawyer, kind of like congressional sort of situation. Like I can't answer any questions. There have to be some questions that are answered. And I'm sure because Miller is tied up in this whole case that is that is play that continues to play out you know he wasn't charged but he still is involved in the case I'm sure there is some fear on his part about revealing anything that could you know damage him down the line in that situation but the team is scared as well so they've got to figure something out if they truly believe that Brandon Miller talent wise is is the best player over Scoot Henderson 
Yeah, and and just the whole pleading the fifth thing. He didn't do that, but he did sit down with 12 teams at the draft combine in Chicago, and he arrived holding a legal brief written by his attorneys informing teams that he would not be able to comment on the specific details. Basically, you just said you you just went in depth and said all the words that I said, plead the fifth. You know, that's my job is to come in here and really just kind of boil things down for the people. I'm about the Vox Populi. I wasn't listening. I took a micro nap. That's my apologies. (laughs) So also we have Brandon Miller. He hopes that he can do enough to be the second overall pick here in Charlotte. So does Scoot Henderson. Gavoni says sources say Henderson is very interested in Charlotte's situation and would welcome hearing his name called second as much due to the geographic proximity to his hometown of Marietta, Georgia as the excitement. And here's where I say he wants to play for Michael only to have that ownership change. He says, Excitement over new ownership that is potentially taking over the Hornets organization this summer is also attractive to one Scoot Henderson. This one a little more interesting here, Doug. What did you make of Gavoni's comments here? Well, that's why I reacted when you said that at first, because it doesn't appear that one of these players is particularly interested in playing uh, with the ownership group as it's what currently. else is new through free agency everybody's like hey mj's here he'll get all the free agents and it's never been true i think he got tony parker i think that's who he got uh, that's the one that guy was the that big, i can remember yeah, was the big catch yeah yeah I mean, this is weird this is genuinely a weird report from gavoni yep. uh, that that a player would be interested in being second overall that's not very interesting because it is it's about a million dollars of difference between being the second pick and being the third pick so yeah i'm yeah i think these guys are interested in an extra million dollars in their bank account right uh, but also there's prestige uh that comes with being drafted uh higher than than the other players and and everybody knows they're not going one it's all it's victor webb and yama so the next highest prize is two so that's not shocking and it, I won't say shocking, but it is just weird to have a player to have a report out saying a player would be interested to play, but only if there's a new ownership group. <laughs> like that's that's weird. But look, I mean, I think I think if players are savvy, they're looking at Charlotte's situation and going, "What's going on there? Like, who am I? Who's drafting me? Like that whole it, it's very it's a very odd situation. I will say that the Hornets are lucky that they're second overall in this particular draft, the way it's constructed, and that there isn't like a Boston or an L.A. or a Miami or one of these premier franchises that made a that made a trade like five years ago and suddenly they've got a top three pick. Right. So, you, you know, if you're Scoot or you're Brandon, you can't – it wouldn't be totally wise of you to like position yourself to Portland necessarily. I mean, you get to play with Dame, I guess, but like it's not the same as like trying to yeah. get yourself to Boston or L.A. Well, and the thing is here, too, when he mentions the close proximity of Marietta to Charlotte, it ain't close to Portland. <laughs> it's about well, as no, far but, you know, away. they have these things called airplanes now. You, you hop on a bird, you know, you, you're making an extra million so you can afford the first class upgrade. You drink a little orange juice, you get a warm towel and you go to like, I don't buy that at all. Like, I don't think that well, I don't think, I mean, look, like proximity means anything. I, I do. I do think being close to home is often overplayed for a lot of players in the NBA. I do think that a lot of guys just want to get out. I will say if you are fond of your hometown and you do want to stick around, it's different than going to even some smaller city in the Northeast or even in the Midwest, you are quite literally going as far away as possible from Marietta, Georgia for an NBA franchise as you can get going to Portland, unless there's Seattle that gets a new hometown team. 
and then that will be the team. But right now it's Portland. So I do get it from, but you're right. Ultimately, but he's been playing back. pro ball for two years. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess this would be Which different sure, if yeah. it's a guy I mean, that's been like, you know, that played for his home, te- his home state college or whatever. And he's just been completely in this like bubble of home, but I just don't, that's not my read on Scoot so far, but you know, whatever. Well, I, I will. The other thing, too, at least with Scoot, there have been reports about he and LaMelo already having a pretty good relationship. And Scoot has talked about how he wants to play with LaMelo. And he said that about Dame, too, that he wouldn't mind playing with Dame at all. But well, Scoot, about- I, I think if you're Scoot's team, you are a little bit concerned that if the Hornets don't pick you, it's not that Portland's going to pick you, it's that you may even slide. Maybe cost yourself another million or another five hundred thousand dollars and slide. I don't know what the exact I'd number be is really from three surprised to four. Though, right? Like you, you think there's a possibility for that? I think anything is possible when it comes to the draft. And once okay, a G. once once a guy starts to fall, you don't know you don't know what the. Now I don't think he's going to fall out of the top five. Um, well, but, Houston will take him. I mean, Houston yeah. Houston yeah. reportedly is enamored with him too, and he fits well. And like, yeah, I mean, it's Houston will take him at four. So I don't even think he'll fall out of the top three. If if Houston gets Scoot, then they will be the happiest team in the NBA draft. And so hopefully Charlotte can stop that from happening. And we'll see if Portland does. If Charlotte takes Brandon Miller and Scoot is available there at three too. All right, coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We'll visit with our old friend, Sam Purley of Hornets.com. He's going to join us and talk a little bit more about the pre-draft process. They're hosting a lot of workouts over there. So we're going to get his thoughts and uh, comments on everything going on leading up to June 22nd. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. You can make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs and the NBA finals about to be underway, well, tonight. Because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's a different number than I've been reading. Oh, it just went up a little bit. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. They have great promotions every day. It's a safe and secure app. Plus, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on all of the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet again up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Sam Purley coming up next. Locked on Hornets. As promised, Sam Purdy now joins the show. Of course, you can follow his work on Hornets.com. You can find him on Twitter as well, by the way, at Sam underscore Purley. Sam, it's been a while. How are you holding up during the pre-draft process? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, we're doing well. I know that you guys finally get a break today as of this recording with the pre-draft workouts. You guys have had quite a few people in so far some ACC notables for anybody that pays attention to the basketball in the Carolinas so that's been a lot of fun what's your favorite part about this process like I know it's busy you've got a lot of guys coming in I know the Hornets have five picks so not only do you have to figure out who they're going to take it to but you have to figure out what they're going to do at 27 the possibilities there and so on is it overwhelming is it exciting what is this process like for you Oh, I think it's exciting. Uh, I think my favorite part of it too, and especially when you have um, so many picks is you've got so many guys coming in that come from all different backgrounds. You've got guys from college programs. You've got guys from overseas, local guys, um, just learning about the guys that are coming through backstories and, 
you know, guys from maybe like the West Coast Conference you don't know anything about or never really watched. And uh, I find that the most fascinating part, just kind of diving in, doing the research, knowing who's coming in because there's an exciting um, element to it of like, there's a diamond in the rough in here somewhere. Who is it? You know, so uh, there's always guys, especially, you know, in that second round undrafted. So uh, I find that kind of the coolest part is just learning more about a lot of these guys and their, and their backgrounds and they all kind of come together and, and everyone kind of goes their separate ways. So uh, you just keep doing that over and over again too. So I, I really like it. I think it's a fun process every single year. Uh, when you when you talk to these guys, do you try to guess which ones are going to be the diamonds in the rough? Like, Because the Hornets have hit on a few of these kinds of of players, whether they be undrafted or in the second round, guys that they brought in, maybe names that not a lot of people know about when they hit the you know Twitter feed as as having worked out in the past. Do you go, okay, yeah, no, I think this guy's got something. Um, yeah, I'm not actually watching the draft workouts. I'm just kind of coming in towards the end and doing a little bit of media. So um, I'm not sure how reliable I would be in finding that from a basketball <laughs> operations standpoint. But well you can't look you at can you look, can't look in their eyes. You look right in their eyes, you go, no, this guy's I know he's got that he's got that dog in him. I got well, it. Well and plus not not on. to snitch on you, but I feel like you've peeked through the curtains maybe a time or two, <laughs> right? Like I, you could see Sam's eyes right here just watching him go back and forth through one end of the court to the other. I'm not nearly smart enough to know what I, I think when you look at all these draft workouts, I think they all kind of as we get into you know middle of June, I think I think for everybody, even inside, they kind of all start to just blend together a little bit. So um, I, I'll leave the decision making to the, to the higher up there. But um, I think, you know, just for me, from the basketball standpoint, you kind of look at some of their stats. You look at, you know, what is something gotten better last year? Did the three point percentage jump? Did they get more minutes? What do they do with more of those minutes? How do their team perform? And that's kind of the extent of the basketball kind of stuff, too. What, what's going to translate? Is rebounding going to translate? This guy was, you know, two and a half steals a game. Okay, obviously he's a defender. And then you can kind of, you know, see, um, you know, you can kind of, I guess, frame some questioning about how he thinks his skills are going to translate to the NBA. Um, talk to teammates of guys that are coming in. You know, you just, it's just kind of a lot of just learning. It's, it's really just learning. It's researching. It's learning and just kind of having a um, sort of a base knowledge for draft night of, okay, this is the guy we ended up taking. I remember interviewing him. This is his story. This is what he does. This is what he can kind of bring to the team. Well, and, and so th that's what I wanted to go with next. So with you asking the questions at the end of the workout, is there something you kind of lean on a little bit more? So what's a question that you've gone with over the past that has gotten more of the good answers with some of these prospects that come in? Because all of these prospects, by the way, just so in, in case people don't know, they are wide ranging, man. I mean, we are talking about guys that could be going late in the first round to undrafted players to second round. I mean, it is wide ranging here. And so what kind of questions do you lean on for some of the prospects you have access to? Yeah, I think a lot of it is kind of just general. Um, what do you think of the workout today? You know, things like that, just kind of get their general feedback. Um, you know, a lot of the guys, as we see in college, sometimes they um, go into a role. They have a role in college. They're asked mm -hmm. to do one thing and it's sort of to, for the good of the team. So if, you know, you might be college games are so different with the, you know, the spacing and, and things like that, they might be asked to do one thing and then they get to these workouts and you start seeing things that they never did in college. And it's like, you're trying to kind of figure out what is, what is real, what is not real. I think from the, from the coaching and, and scouting standpoint. So just learning, Hey, what do you think, how can you expand your game? What are you showcasing here that maybe you didn't showcase in college? I think is always a good one. Um, seeing how they fit with the Hornets, you know, you know, I think it's, it's good for these prospects, um, 
obviously I've never been through the process personally, but I think it's, it's good to kind of know, okay, I'm going to work out for the Hornets. I'm going to work out for the heat or the Hawks. Like this is the kind of play. This is their play style. This is how my set of skills would fit in or how I can complement this player. So um, I always find, you know, just not doing any sort of like intense grilling or sure. It's no. really just kind of very <laughs> open-ended, just, yeah. you know, hearing their general feedback, how they, you know, their thoughts, if it's local players, you know, did you grow up going to Hornets games? You got favorite players, you know, what's it like going to the arena as a fan and now working out here. So I try and cater the questions a little bit, you know, there's some common ones and then I try and cater them a little bit to the player based on their backstory or where they're from or something like that. But Sam makes a good point. He has never been through the process. And and honestly, I think we should fix that. I think we should put Sam through the process. I know he also went to the combine in Chicago. I think we, I think, at some point next summer, we run him through the whole gamut. We we get him measured. We make him take the you know the vertical test. We run him through the cones. We we get him all sweaty, and then we interview him. I, I think we do that. I think we set that up. I would I would have to start training now for it. So now, if we're gonna do it now, <laughs> is the time to start training. I will. Let's go. Leave this right after this. I'll go start. We'll running. get the we'll um, get the Rocky theme music. We will. We're gonna turn Sam Purley into a late second rounder. <laughs> Go ahead, Sam. I was going to say the closest things I, I swam in college and um, didn't play basketball, but swam and um, basically the same thing. Yeah. Not a whole lot of transferable skill sets, but our um, every year before the start of the season, our, our college swim coach would run us through sort of like a combine related gauntlet, I guess, like the first day. So it's how many pushups can you do in a minute? How many sit-ups can you do in a minute? What's your vertical jump? Um, just a whole bunch of stuff to kind of measure like explosiveness. And, and then we'd kind of measure that periodically throughout the year to see how much stronger, how broken down you were. But that was a long time ago. And I, I think the vertical jump, I think I put up a respectable number, but everything else was kind of just, oh, well, you better get to work. We're going to see. Yeah. We're going to see. Yeah. I got hey. a long ways to go. Hey, Sam, you, uh, you, you cover this team closely, uh, all last season for, for a couple, for many seasons now, but, um, you know, thinking back to last season, thinking about, you know, this roster, a lot of stuff's in flux. We don't know exactly who's going to be back and, and all that, but just thinking about it and thinking about this upcoming draft, what do you think are some things that the, the Hornets could, could look for, uh, in this draft, whether it be, you know, sort of tangible, more shooting, blah, 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 or, you know, intangible stuff as well. I mean, what what kind of player, uh, both on and off the court, should they be looking for in this draft? Yeah. Um, to touch on last season, I think, you know, we, we've obviously very tough season, all the injuries. So you kind of get a little bit, it's a little bit trickier, I think, to kind of look at what transpired last season and then you also have to factor in the injuries like okay the three you know a good example is the three-point shooting was obviously took a big dip for the hornets last season you know when you have this many injuries it just it's a ripple effect with the spacing and is it you know you, you have to kind of be i don't know if selective is the word but you just have to be kind of a little bit more um diligent in okay this is why this thing happened but it's because this happened and hopefully if there's less injuries next year, knock on wood, um, that maybe that won't be as much of an issue as it was last season. So I think just overall in the draft, you're looking to just get, you know, especially with a team like the Hornets, that has been kind of knocking on that playoff picture. It's just talent. You want to add as much talent to the roster as possible. Um, I think talent is obviously good because you want talented players on the court, but it creates competition for playing groups and, and rotational minutes and things like that. And it's good, healthy competition. You're only going to have, nine, 10 guys play out of 
15, 16 guys on the roster um, and everybody wants to play. Not everyone's going to play, but everyone needs to be ready to play as we saw last season too. But uh, in terms of specifics, I think, you know, just, uh, you know, skill sets that I think you would, you would kind of target. I don't think it's like a deciding factor in the draft, but uh, just some overall areas. I think defensive rebounding got a lot better last year. They were 29th the year before, 19th last season. I think that's an area that gradually got better. Um, On-ball defending, I think, is something they could always use. Um, you know, not having Cody Martin last season for majority, I think all but seven or eight games obviously played a factor into that. Dennis being hurt um, for a couple months at the start of the season weighed into that. Uh, mentioned the three-point shooting. That took a little bit of a dip last year. And then um, just general playmaking, too. I think we saw that, you know, in situations where when Lamella wasn't playing um, in the second half of the season or they got into a lot of half-court sets um non-transition opportunities you know just having somebody more guys that can create off the ball or on the ball and off the ball i think and, and kind of being able to to run an offense in, in different settings when it's not just transition and, and fast break stuff so little little stuff like that but i think it's i think it's more of kind of getting the guys you think skill sets will transfer into the system that you currently have uh, more so than pinpointing exact talents um in the draft you're really just kind of drafting talent you just want talent on the roster more talent that's what i'm saying don't overthink it yeah. more talent that's what i'm talking about sam and it also i've been easy. looking up these uh drills for the nba combine because because i think it would be a mistake for you to really try to focus on all of the drills you know this late really it's going to be late in the process if we're trying to train for next year so i say we pick one and i really like this it's a newer drill it's called the reactive shuttle run and i think we turn sam Purley into shuttle sam and and we get him we get him into the second round i think we can do this folks second round sammy <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I don't know if it's – we didn't really watch any of the drills or anything, but I've seen them, I think, in the old the, – when they had the combine at the other other place before the last couple of years. It's right. You're, um, so you're standing in the lane, like and you're going second, side to right? side in the lane. You're going – it's, it's all about reaction seconds. time. I can do that. I can oh. do that. It's only 10 seconds. Can you do exactly what Doug did right there at that exact <laughs> speed? Because that will get you drafted. Whatever that – Doug, they might be looking at you now, both of you. Yeah, sign them up, man. We need more if talent. it's just going across – it's just measuring lateral quickness across the lane. I think it's only 8 to 10 seconds I could do that. I don't think I can do a full court three-on-three three for – yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little out of breath just like doing that. that. I'm, All right, I'm, yeah, I, I Project Gets Damn Pearly Drafted. That's what we're going with here. You can follow us for our initiative at Lockdown Hornets. You can also follow Sam on Twitter at Sam underscore Pearly. Follow his work on Hornets.com, of course. Keeping you up to date on everything going on with the pre-draft process. Lots of workouts. Again, I mentioned finally a break. They had a couple in a row where you have a lot of players working out for Charlotte. Sam is covering it all. We appreciate the work, man. Thank you so much for hopping on. Of course. Thank you for having me. I will. Uh, I'm going to start training now. I'm going to get, get to it. Get this head, head right to the gym. <laughs> All right. You were the swimmer. We expect the swimmer's body next time. Yeah. Full, just full go straight up. I want to see the flash of the abs next time you're on and we can do the before and after picture. So we'll watch Sam's abs next time he hops on. All right. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. We have one more segment to go. We can dissect a little of what Sam had to say. And plus, the Hornets confirmed the start to Summer League in a specific location. Doug had been kind of leaning towards and hypothesizing what could the pick be at number two. It's all great stuff. Stick around here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. 
Big thanks to Sam. Always fun to have him around. Now we've forced him to get in shape and get a swimmer's body, I think is what I tasked him with doing. You tasked him with doing shuttle Sam runs and all sorts of stuff. There you go. <laughs> At that speed, that'll get him drafted number two overall. Move over, Scoot. We're, we're skipping Scoot for Sam is what we're doing here in, with the Charlotte Hornets organization. Um did seem like he was describing a player that Scoot could use, you know, with some of the playmaking out there. That was the thing that he talked about, right? With LaMelo going to the bench, some playmaking, Scoot Henderson be able to run the offense a little better for you with him being a point guard, combo guard prospect. But also there are certainly things that Sam was talking about that Brandon Miller would be able to help with as well. Both very talented players and both would be helpful at number two, whoever they decide to choose. Yeah, I mean, I don't buy this idea that the Hornets have enough point guards or that they have enough playmaking. I mean, I, I think, well, first yeah, of all, no. I don't know that you can ever have enough of that. Uh, but, at, you know, the Hornets had to go out at the end, very, very end of the offseason, right before training camp, and they got lucky and found Teo Maladone and DSJ, and DSJ was able to put it put something together that he couldn't put together in Portland. You know what? What I think people take for granted what DSJ did last season, as if he had been doing that for a couple of seasons and has just been a journeyman. No, like I mean, he had some flashes in Portland, but nothing sustained for several seasons, and so that was a huge surprise. And the Hornets cannot rely on just you know cramming for the test right at the end and trying to come out with a with an A minus. You know, so I think they have to continue to look to playmaking. So if they go Brandon Miller at two, if that really is the pick, you know, then I think they've they've got to show some love to the guard position and and find a yeah. legitimate backup point guard eventually in the offseason. But, you know, I think they should still be looking at the guard position in this draft, you know, in that early second round uh, to to make sure that their their bases are covered in the years to come. Well, and if you want some compliments on Brandon Miller, I'll give you one here. It, he is, I, I really love his passing. I do. Like, I, I worry a little bit about the dribbling as we've talked about, but the passing is very good. And to have somebody like 6'7", LaMelo Ball, that can see over the defense and can pass at every angle. And then Brandon Miller, who's 6'9", and can also move it. We've used the word connector for Gordon Hayward a million times. I don't think you'd be missing that with Brandon on the floor, right? I think what Brandon would be able to do is if he's not looking to score himself, then Brandon can move it in a really effective fashion. I love what his vision entails, what we saw from him um, in Alabama in that regard. And so that would help too. Now off the dribble playmaking, that's something that Scoot is better at. But with the whole just passing in general, being able to see over the defense, I think Brandon would be able to help a lot there. Um, we did have some other news uh, just reported yesterday here, Doug, and it feeds a little into your conspiracy theory. This is something you've been on. I will give you, you know, it's hard for me to give you credit over wrong twin over Jalen Brown, but I will give you lots of credit for this conspiracy theory. Look at you. You're ready to go. The Hornets confirm that they will start summer league in Sacramento at the California Classic, and they will be facing, of course, the San Antonio Spurs. Mm. Yes, the Spurs are going to be over there, and the Spurs have the number one pick. The Hornets have the second pick. It looks like Adam Silver might want the Hornets to select Scoot, mm. and we get a round two option between Scoot and Wimby that was like the most highly anticipated G League game that delivered, mm. by the way. What do you make of the California Classic teams, Doug? 
This is the first time that the Hornets will play in the California Classic, Sacramento. So you get you get it's really a prime spot, right? Because it's only a couple of teams. It's before the like legit, legit summer league that a lot of teams go to go to. So it's like you get to go to a little pre-party before the party. Cause I think the Hornets will still play in the Las Vegas summer league as well. So um, it's a cool thing. And I hope it's a harbinger of cooler things for the Charlotte Hornets <laughs> to come. You know, I mean, I think right. if they pick scoot, uh, there is some potential scoot Wimby marketability there that you just simply don't get with Brandon Miller. Now, I'm not saying the Charlotte Hornets should completely prioritize marketability on the pick. You know, I think Scoot is the most talented player of the two, and so I think they should pick Scoot for that reason. But I think a bonus is that the NBA has showcased these two players going 1v1 against each other, G League Ignite versus the Mets. And, you know, I think that they would continue to do that, not only in this California Classic, which I think, you know, there's a little bit of like, well, you just put the one-two team together. You know, hopefully it means Scoot, but, you know, if it's Brandon Miller, they'll put, they'll put them together. But I don't think that's a Christmas Day matchup. But I think, you know, look, Scoot versus Wimby Christmas Day, I think that could happen. I'm just saying. Well, and LaMelo is still going to be a – Yeah, well, and, and LaMelo is always going to be a nice fallback option just because he's so popular. I was listening – you know, I, I've referenced Zach Lowe a decent amount when, when he mentions the Hornets, which is a lot – and it's never good, which is why Hornets fans don't love the whole Zach Lowe podcast. But, I mean, it's it's great insight on stuff. And he was talking about Nikola Jokic. And we have this whole undercovered mega superstar in Nikola Jokic. Everybody's like, wait, you know, I, this guy's awesome. It's like, yeah, the dude won two MVPs. And so as he was talking about that with Adam Morris, I think an alum of the Locked On Podcast Network, when they were discussing Nikola, uh, Zach Lowe was discussing, yeah, like, one of the, the jersey I see the most often is LaMelo Ball. It's a freaking Hornets jersey. And and he said it's something to that, too. And I was like, yeah, man, because LaMelo's popular. So it's a nice fallback option, honestly, like it, go, going with the Hornets on Christmas Day. Yeah, well, let me just say this on the whole Denver front and, and anyone that's whining about people not paying attention to Denver or people not paying attention to Nikola Jokic, I would just say to Hornets fans, if that happens to the Hornets – you know, and they they suddenly rise to prominence, Eastern Conference champions. They get to a finals, whether it's Scoot or Miller or Lamelo or what you know, whoever is leading that charge. Okay, don't do that. Just just enjoy because you can spend your whole life being miserable about who's not talking about you and you're not getting enough coverage. And this guy said this thing and like just enjoy the fact that for a brief moment, because it might go away all of a sudden and, and you're back to feeling pain again, but all of a sudden you may feel a little less sick and, and just enjoy that instead of constantly, you know, thinking you're slighted. And in fact, I, I would embrace it and just say, you know what? Don't pay attention to me. Don't look at me. Because that's, right. that's how you that's how you sneak up on folks. You can't sneak up on folks if, you know, you're wearing a giant dragon costume. You can't sneak up on folks like that. You sneak up on folks because, you know, you're like a ninja. You're wearing all black. You're, you're walking very softly. And that's how you sneak up on people. So, look, don't cover the Hornets. Wait until they're suddenly in an NBA Finals and let everyone be surprised. That, that would be my message to Hornets fans. Don't get caught up in what the Lowe's and the Simmonses of the world. Don't, they, you don't need their validation. 
Come here because you're a sicko. Come here and be with other sickos. Okay, yeah, and wear your dragon costume while you're at it. Uh, the Hornets also are going to be joining the Golden State Warriors, the L.A. Lakers, Miami Heat, and the Sacramento Kings in the California Classic. So Miami and Charlotte, the teams that are going over uh, over to California all the way out here on the East Coast, their first game is going to be on July 3rd against San Antonio. That'll be at 8 p.m. They'll face Golden State on July 5th at 6 p.m. All games will be on ESPN, so you won't miss them. And then the Heat reveal an October 10th date with the Hornets this preseason. So yeah, got little, we haven't seen the Hornets game. preseason, but we got a little news there too. A little Heat matchup. Uh, yeah, man. But could so, be could be against the uh, championship Heat. So we don't know. Yeah, Caleb all right. Martin. <laughs> oh, maybe a healthy Cody Martin. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Matchup? That that's that would be that'd be great. Let's just get Cody healthy. I'll celebrate that. I don't even need an Eastern Conference Finals appearance. I just need a healthy Cody. Hang the banner. <laughs> we got a healthy Martin. And Cody right played twi- the- I want yeah, that's that's the banner I want. Mm-hmm. I want a right twin banner. We picked the right twin. 100%. All right. Thanks for making Lockdown Hornets your first <laughs> listen today. Thanks to Sam as well. Now make your second listen. Game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on game to game. Covers every game from across the league with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Follow game to game on Locked On NBA. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.